After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. is a pg podcast but then devin just kept on dropping shits and fucks and i'm just trying to figure out what's in her mouth i just want to see him interview francesco Acoli. no he's he's a good human being is what he would say about himself i'm sure who's hosting this thing (laughs) (laughs) take charge kevin first time we ever met those guys that was the 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 major uh drunken pub argument i think you guys are the worst i'm gonna have to probably watch some canucks Making making friends left, right, and center, and probably some enemies as well. And tell him to shut up. He needs to hear that every once in a while. Off to a good start. All right. We are live. It's okay to talk when it goes live. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hockey Podcast. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore hockey. Facebook.com The Hockey Podcast as well. We are live there as well as YouTube.com The Hockey Podcast where we currently are sitting at 100 and Peter Taglianetti of uh, subscribers. He wore the jersey number 32 back in 1992-1993 when he played with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He had a goal and eight assists for nine points. uh, Split his time with Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, five years, Winnipeg for six years, and Minnesota for a year as well. You could also subscribe to the audio after, as we are here recapping after game one of uh, the Stanley Cup final in wonderful, wonderful winter weather as the temperature here in Burnaby as we speak is 27 degrees at 9, 10 in the morning. Hello, Sean. What looks You're in your new place, first of all. Yeah, new place. It was a, uh, it was it was a tough slog through a few days there to to get everything moved over uh, in in the heat. Moving a little slower than uh, we probably would have liked, but uh, we're moved in and we're 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 slowly getting through all the boxes now. Nice. Well, welcome to your new place. Enjoy it, um, Devin. Hello to you as well. Hey, Kev. And you're doing all right? Yeah, trying to stay as cool as possible. Um, it, it's not so much me uh, that I worry about. It's uh, Gord, my dog, that I worry about. And uh, just trying to keep her cool because she's hasn't lived in a place without AC before in the heat. So it's been a bit of a transition there. Um, but yeah, sleeping is hard right now. That's for sure. I have four uh, bottles of water. One Gatorade and one cup of coffee. Right hot now. coffee. Hot coffee. Exactly. Hot yes. coffee. Yes. Um, we'll also, uh, so we got a lot to get into. There's been some news and um, even some breaking news. We're going to break, I'm going to tease this. We're going to break some news 
on this podcast, sort of, kind of. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, but we'll start with the game. The uh, Montreal Canadiens and Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, excitement everywhere as it's the first appearance for the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Final in 25 years. The drive for, or uh, sorry, 25, the drive for 25. It's been uh, over 25 years, 28 years since the Montreal Canadiens have been in the Stanley Cup themselves. The Tampa Bay Lightning are looking to repeat, so uh, the collision is there. Uh, but in terms of the matchup, um, it was certainly one-sided. It certainly, from pretty much pillar to post, it was all Tampa Bay. Montreal could only muster 18 shots on goal. Uh, Tampa Bay ended the Montreal's long penalty-killing streak, and Carey Price allowed five goals in the playoffs for the first times in six years when he did it against the, when the Tampa Bay Lightning did it to him again. So, um, no, I guess let's start. Maybe we'll start with Tampa Bay. What we'll start with Sean. What did was this a surprising result for you? Um, did change anything? Were you impressed? What impressed you about Tampa? Uh, it didn't surprise me at all. Tampa is a very well coached team. Um, they've got the star power. They've got the structure. They've got the grinders, um, and they know how they they know how to play defense. Like everyone talks about uh, Tampa's high flying offense with Kucherov and Point and Stamkos, um, but look at that left side of that blue line. You've got Hedman, McDonough, and Sergeyev. Like you, you can put out a pair of def- you can put out a defense pair with one of those guys every minute of the game, and that's that's gonna be tough to beat. And as as good as Montreal as as good as Montreal has been, Tampa just has the the horses, the big physical defensemen that can that have the potential to sh- to shut down the. Um, the forwards that uh, Montreal has, and they did that last night. So I think it's uh, it's not surprising. I, I I wasn't on for the preview, but I did uh, watch our our hockey ho- hockey. Uh, what do you call it, Kev? The the, the clip uh, hockey, hockey pod hockey clip, clip. Yes. Of uh, your your predictions, and uh, I, everyone everyone was calling it for a long series. Um, I think it's. I was pretty confident that it was going to be. Uh, Tampa in six or less and nothing that I saw there last night really changed my mind in, in, in terms of that. Uh, I think it's, they just have, they just, when you, when you, when you can have a fresh legs on Kucherov, you've got Braden Point who drives the bus. You've got Norris Trophy, uh, Norris Trophy uh, caliber defenseman in, in, and Hedman, not to mention, like I said, McDonough and, and Sergachev, and then you throw in that the right side to have very serviceable serviceable defensemen, and then you throw in your Vesna caliber def, uh, goalie and, and Vasilevsky. I just, it's going to be very, very, very tough for the Montreal to 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 pull off another upset here. And what they what um, what the Lightning showed last night uh, just further proved that to me. Yeah, the Lightning, they they came to play, and they they had the crowd behind them uh, the entire way, which is massive, and they didn't look back pretty much. It was, uh, like Kevin said, from pillar to post, Lightning through and through. 
Uh, you did have little spurts here and there from Montreal, but uh, it's it, it didn't surprise me that uh, Montreal struggled last night. I, I think that they they needed to to, to feel out the series a little bit. Um, the, the biggest thing for the road team is to get a split in the first two games. And uh, I, I think that they, they will be better. Uh, Montreal will be better next game. Uh, who knows if they'll be able to create more offense with within the structure that uh, uh, that Tampa Bay plays. I, I it's it, that, that is something that they need to do. They need to have more speed in the neutral zone. Um, granted, you know, they, they at the very beginning, Cole Caulfield had a good uh, couple chances um, and they they just they, they're going high on Vasilevsky, which is something that they, they need to do. But within that, I think creating that speed in the neutral zone um, for Montreal uh, would be they, that's something that they need to create within the defensive zone structure, neutral zone and get into the offensive zone with speed. But it, it, it is very hard within uh, doing that with uh, not having the matchups being the, the road team. So Tampa Bay being the home team, have, making sure that they have the, the matchups that they want, um, making sure that Kucherov, uh, Point, and Palat are not playing against the, the no line um, is, is huge. And if they're going to be successful in game two, Montreal that I'm talking about. Uh, they, they need better defensive structure within um, trying to shut that, uh, that that top line down. And I mean, let, let alone you, you, their second line is Sorelli, Kalorn, and Stamkos. So uh, it, either way, you kind of have a double-edged sword there for Tampa Bay's offense. But um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't surprise me. But I think uh, along with... Uh, the the tweaks within the game of trying to figure out how to to create that offense for Montreal. Tampa Bay is going to have to make a little a couple little tweaks here and there um, to to counteract what um, Dominic Ducharme uh, is going to be wanting out of uh, Montreal. I I uh, I just to me it's a, what impressed me with Tampa was it it wasn't the stars that got them on going it's eric chernak jumps into the play like he's dougie hamilton and scores his first ever playoff goal and then you have yanni gord scoring i mean and yanni like yanni gord is a good player please don't, don't get me wrong but yanni gord is not a star on the tampa bay lightning um it was a lot of unsung hero work um sorelli i thought sorelli and colorn were just were were strong I uh, agree with Sean, the defense where Tampa Bay uh, was great. And the, it's starting, I'm, I, I don't know, one of the other trends with Tampa Bay that I don't think is getting talked about enough is their third periods, when they are up, they are, it's, it's pretty much a death trap. Like um, the Islanders went eight minutes without a shot on goal in the last series uh, in the third period. They have developed... They have, are developing a master's class in how to protect the lead in the third period. Um, I it's so and it, I mean, and then even yesterday, as the game wore on, Tampa Bay, like Nikita Kucherov started to get it going. Braden Port started getting it going. Those cross bumper passes to one timers or Kucherov and Stamkos, they had all day to do them. Um, 
it's just they wear you down after two periods and then they take they take away your will in the third and if they have the lead in the, after two periods um it's it's going to be tough for montreal yeah and like you said it, everyone talks about their high flying offensive players but they're so well coached and so well structured defensively that it's uh, when they get up there it's so tough to 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 get anything solved with the get through and, and get shots. Um, if you look at the um, the stats from last night, um, a five on five, Montreal actually out uh, shot attempted the uh, the Lightning uh, and it was uh, 44 to 37. But they only got 17 shots on that five on five. So Tampa was doing a good job getting in shooting lanes and forcing them to shoot wide and finding a way to make it make it an easier night for Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, they uh, the block shots last night. The Canadians at five and the Lightning at fifteen, and so that 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 says a lot right there within uh, Tampa Bay's uh, defensive structure and uh, just getting in front of pucks. And that's something that uh, Montreal really needs to start doing if they're gonna. If they're going to be successful, especially, and the other thing is, they got to get stay out of the box. They have to. They, it, like Kev, like you said, though that that cross ice pass between Kucherov and Stamkos, like how, they, they make it look so easy. It, it, it's insane. If it was like to me, I mean, the, I think that for the we'll get to the Canadians here for a second, but I mean, one difference that if you're a Canadian fan, you have to notice is the power the power play between what Vegas had. No disrespect, and the power play that Tampa Bay is able able to bring out, and just how it is designed, my goodness, my that is uh, I would imagine quite a, an adjustment. And I'm sure in film preparation and preparation for the series, you game plan for it. But I can't help but wonder. But it, when you see that on the ice, that it just feels so different. If that makes sense. Well, you, they, who, you, there's no one you can really focus in on as like the the trigger man, because if you focus too focus too much on Kucherov, well, you've got Braden Point, Steven Stamkos up front. Let alone Headman on Headman that Headman as well. Um, and um, I I don't know who else is on that that unit, but those four alone, it, it's hard hard enough to to try. You can't really game plan because. They are smart enough to be able to um, exploit any time you try and overcommit to one of them. Yeah, yeah. You have Killorn in front of the net. Um, yeah. You have uh, yeah, uh, Stamkos and Kudrov on the flanks, and then you have uh, Braden Point in the slot. It, it's it's deadly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your PP one is Point, Kudrov, Stamkos, and then you've got Palat. You've got some Palat. Got some ice time. Sorelli. Uh, Gord, uh, and, and Maroonisty, Patrick Maroon also got some ice time as well, but, um, he's chubby, but effective. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use that as my tagline, chubby, <laughs> but effective. Um, uh, I, I also, but for the Canadians, I think, you know, there's been so much love going into this with Cole Caulfield. Um, everyone has been really excited about him. Everyone was really excited about Nick Suzuki as well. Um, they had a tough, they had a tough night. 
Um, and this was this was a learning part of that learning curve that I think everyone is expecting. That the line of Suzuki to Foley and Caulfield, all three were minus three. They had no points. Um, this that was a tough night for them. Yeah, it's it's a big step. It, it, it's a big step up in. Like the conference finals are one thing, but the Stanley Cup finals is completely different. I think it's just it's a it's a big step up in, in, in microscope and 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 everything with with uh, for for the uh, the Habs and especially for those young players, the Suzuki's, the Caulfields, the Kakinyemis. Um, that's what, why do you think we we were seeing um, Ducharme play a lot of the vets? Kakinyemi didn't play for the first few games. We haven't seen Romanov. I think I still think they need to play Romanov, but. Um, that's why you have, that's why the idea of veteran and been there, done that is so important because you, you don't get maybe too just overwhelmed by the situation. I think there, there might've been a little bit of that. Um, but I think we will see better games from them going forwards. Uh, once you, they're, they're smart enough and, and skilled enough players that, uh, once they get their feet under them, I think we we see some uh, we see them play better. I think they'll be able to play better. I just don't know if they'll they'll be able to. Uh, the veteran presence on Tampa Bay is so vast, and they 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 just know like like what Kev said earlier. They know how to shut it down in the third period. So getting getting that momentum is 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 hard and. Uh, that first goal is massive. Once uh, once uh, Chernak scored, uh, he, right then and there, I'm like, oh, this is a heavy hill to to be climbing if you're the Montreal Canadiens. So they, they, in order for them to be successful, Sean, you said it at the beginning of the playoffs, Nick Suzuki needs to be one of their better players, and he wasn't last night. Yeah. Um, I just want to bring this, this comment up from, from Michael. Um, yeah, Kucherov is inconsistent, and it, but and it's also why I've always said that uh, it's Braden Point that drives the bus for that offense. And Kucherov can be amazing, and he can be not there. Um, I remember watching the 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 Lightning play Calgary here here in Calgary a couple of years ago, and Kucherov was absolutely nowhere to be found. But know who was there? It was Yanni Gord, and it was Braden Point. And as much as as much as we, uh, Gord is more of a third line player. He's just perfectly suited for that. And he's he's a water bug. He's an energy player. You need those players to win. And yeah, I think it's uh, they they just they just have good pieces in the right spot, even if they are. Yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, just good pieces in the right spot. And we're looking, and I just, it's going to be very tough for the, for the Habs to, to find a way here. And hey, I've been, I've, I've, I've bet against, I've, I've, I've predicted against them every series this, in these playoffs. And uh, I've been wrong every time. So maybe, I, maybe I'll be wrong again. But uh, I think it's just going to be very tough, and that last night just didn't didn't, didn't uh, quell any of the the concerns I had. Well, with with Kucherov, I I mean the one thing with him is yes, he is inconsistent, but he 
He does turn it on for the playoffs. He's one of three players with 30-plus points in three consecutive years in the playoffs. Uh, the other two are named Gretzky and Lemieux. So you there, Ooh. Wayne Gretzky. Oh, Wayne. Okay, yeah. sorry. And yeah. then Mario Lemieux. Just, just to come to – yeah. You're, it's two seasons, 30 points in two, oh, two consecutive playoff seasons. Oh, right. Sorry, two. Yeah. Um, but still in those type of names, it's, I mean, he 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 does turn it on for the – and to be fair, he wasn't – he didn't play the regular season this year. We're, we are going to debate that in the off when, when or if Tampa Bay wins the Cup because I think that there's a – I'm going to tease that. There's two ways to look at what's happened in Tampa Bay. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it too. Um, but I, I just want to—I just want to go back to uh, Montreal. If, if in order for Montreal to be successful, every single game that they've uh, done well in and that they've won, they came out hard yeah. within that first ten minutes. And you did not see that last night. It, no, uh, they were—they were sluggish. They—they they weren't able to get any momentum going. And Tampa Bay knows that. They—they they know that that's how they have to play. And if Tampa Bay just sticks to what they're doing, it's going to be very, very hard for Montreal to get anything going. Yeah, I mean, their best chance really all night was the Shea Weber, was the Shea Weber breakaway. Yeah. Um, and well, Cole Caulfield had a couple of uh, good shots too, um, especially at the beginning. I mean, it was high slot almost at the blue line, but I. Uh, I think that if uh, if he would have wanted to have that shot back, you want to get that on net. You, you have to. Um, and it, it crash that net. Get pucks on net, crash it, have an offensive zone draw. Uh, last night they were tied. They were 50-50 on draws. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing, I mean, one guy that was for Montreal trying to get things going was Brendan Gallagher. Yeah. Um, he was getting in there. And, and like overall, I think the Montreal forwards, they need to get into Vasilevsky's kitchen a little bit more than last night. Um, thought they had an easy night. Um, I, I think they need to make sure that that Shea Weber shot gets through as well. Um, they made that shot to get through a couple of uh, times. But um, the play that everybody is kind of talking about was the whole – uh, it was Sergachev versus uh, Gallagher and Blake Coleman. It ended up Coleman was the one that went to the box, but the the focus was Brendan Gallagher's head that landed on the ice. Sergachev took him down. Gallagher was helmetless. Bloods all over. Um, I saw tweets asking demand saying Sergachev should be suspended for it. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't like. The I don't like when the head hits the ice, but it's um, I don't think that that's a suspendable play. Like I, I, it's just one of those things. It's a tackle. Um, it's 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 a scrum. I I don't. I mean, Sergej. It's not like I don't think Sergej meant to drive his head to the ice. It just was a natural consequence of what happened. So I'm I don't think anything should happen to Sergej there. I don't think anything will happen. They've already announced that uh, Weber got a $5,000 fine for his slash on Kucherov, and they haven't announced anything for anything else. So I, I don't think there's anything coming there. Um, and that's it's just such a fine line when you get into those scrums. That's what, what happens there. And 
Man, what, what what is with the Habs and having these like bloodied bloodied up players? This these playoffs, where whether or not you've got like ruptured blood vessels or whatever the Jeff Petrie had, and then you had um, Franken Franken Perry, as, as well as now now Gallagher with his uh, look looking like he's uh, wrestling for the uh, the WCW back in. Uh, Back in the 1990s, and he's been and he bladed in in a, in a steel cage match. Yeah, he, he's been bloodied twice this playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't see Sergeyev being fined. I personally, man, I I'm, I'm having a hard time with Kucherov because uh, I, I didn't think that. Yeah, you know, it's a slash to the back of the legs, but that happens all the time, all the time. I felt like he made. I don't know. I I, I just feel like he was a bit of a dive. And that he he sold it because if it really hurt that bad, he would not been able to get up, guaranteed, right? And even even the um, the uh, Ben Sherratt, uh penalty, you know, Sherratt, he did uh, to to Tyler's credit, and he said it before: don't put yourself in a position to get a call against you. But like the the the, the amount of bullshit that Kucherov is is pulling. In these playoffs, it, it's really it's pissing me off. <laughs> like, l- l- let's play hockey here, and uh, this is that that is a part of playoff hockey. The slash to the back, the legs, um, all that bullshit. Honestly, and I, I like I, it, it drives me nuts that he gets, uh, uh, you know, for, for the Sherratt hit, he gets hit in the head, which he doesn't, and he flails, and uh, then he's back on the power play. Like, <laughs> and then yeah, with the slash, like he, like I said, he got up right away. If, if it was that bad, he would have been on the ice for a lot longer. Struggling to get back to the bench. Yeah. Yeah, I, I – that's one of the things that I wish they – I also – I wish that they clamped down more is the embellishment. I think that's yeah. another thing that they have to like, – like in football, in the CFL anyway, which is back on August the 5th, if you are injured, if you are injured – you have to take at least three plays off. I think that the NHL has to look, not, not look at three plays off, but you at least need to be off a certain amount of time if you're injured. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it, it is hard to, to, to like, well, what, it, it's so much easier when you slow down the play, you take a look at it, and then it looks a lot worse or not as worse, depending um, what, when it's slowed down within – slow motion, I guess. Uh, but oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you, Kev. There, there has to be some sort of middle ground within that because I feel like Kucherov, since he is a star in this league, uh, gets a little bit of leeway within that. And um, I'm not very much a proponent of, yeah, protect the stars, but let, let, let's have an even playing field within that as well. Oh, my phone is ringing. Hello. Hang on one second. Hello? Yes, Gary. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Thanks. That was Gary Devin, Gary Bettman. He says that you don't, you didn't see the play from the ref side, so you have no, no place to make a call on that. Oh. Oh, well, my, my opinion doesn't matter then. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Gary Gary said it, said that comment with the, in the State of the Union with such uh, arrogance and and smugness that it's just it, it's so hard to take it seriously but I, I think there is some truth to that like there are some calls that like it's so easy to see it when you we see the replay and you see it from the 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 uh 
<clears throat> from the cat, like the the camera point of view, the TV viewer point of view. But when you see it from like positioning of refs and all that, it's it's so much it, it, it's so much more difficult. But there are there are some it, it's so, it's so tough. Like we see it all the time, and, and we got Euros going on right now. How many times have we seen players like? <laughs> get tapped on the, the ankle and dive like it's they've been shot by a sniper. It's just the way it is. And until, until, until you're able to crack down on it, people, the players are going to continue to try and push the envelope. Like I was, I'm a Canucks fan and we all remember the, the Ryan Kessler tumble, the tumbleweed play and the, the, all the gifts that came out of that. Like it, 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 it until you can start like legitimately cracking down on that. But the other thing is if you're going to crack down on the embellishment, you have to make sure that you're calling the hooks, the holds, the slashes, the high sticks that they are embellishing because 90% of the time when they're, when they're, when they're embellishing something is because it's, it's actually by the rule. It's a penalty. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I mean, I, there's gamemanship which is like, okay, you know, okay, as an example, you go back to the Vegas uh, Montreal series. Matt, there was a hook, match patch ready, held on to the, the guy's stick. I can't, and that, I, you know what? I don't like it, but that's gamemanship. It's when you act like you're injured and you're about to die and then you get back on the ice, that just feels a bit icky to me. There, that, that That's where I'm like, ah, we need to get rid of that mm-hmm. um we'll get to we'll get to gary bettman in a second i was going to do an i had an impression of him but i didn't think it Kate would come off very good so i i went with the phone <laughs> um um any other thing else on this i mean the only other thing i mean speaking of of injuries i mean what alex Kalorn and that block shot with the ankle there uh, on the Petrie shot, and then he comes back. I mean, you got to admire that. But um, he, he came back uh, and didn't have it. Didn't look like he was limping at all, or that he was uh, laboring. But uh, God, I can't imagine that was right off the ankle bone. No. Yeah, that looked like it hurt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, as much I think, I think one of the things that is going to be interesting to watch is as much as everybody is hating on Tampa Bay and I get why people hate Tampa Bay. I think there's going to be some things that um, the fans are going to start admiring about, have to start admiring about Tampa Bay and it's, they are warriors. They are battlers. This is not just your high flying team. This is a team that can battle you with you in any which way, shape or form. And, um, they're a model. They're, I think they're a model franchise that a lot of teams want to pattern themselves around. I, I, I just say, I'm just saying. I mean, they got. They, like, you, you look at their 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 cap situation, and they 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 got away with a lot because we're we're looking at like a third line player in Yanni Gord or borderline second line player Yanni Gord making five million, and they've got there there are. It's not. It's I wouldn't call it model, but they found a way to make it work. They found a way to stretch the rules enough that people are annoyed. People are pissed off because they were able to trade for injured players so that they could. Yeah. It's they, they found, they found enough loopholes to make this roster fit for this year. 
Next, this, this upcoming offseason is going to be something to watch as well because not only do they have to find a way to lose salary cap, salary going into next season, but you look at what they what they the decisions they have to make with the expansion draft as well. Yep. Yep. I I I mean just just to, uh his original comment, Kev's original comment about them being warriors. They knew the type of player that they'd be getting in Barclay Goodrow, uh trading a first round pick. Everybody raised their eyebrows within that, but that 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 is the type of player that you win with. And he is he talked about warriors, he's one of them. And Alex Kalorn, he, he's a warrior and a, a great veteran presence uh within that lineup that is gritty. He's a big player, he can throw his body around. And uh not to mention he does have some skill with them. That's why he's on that first power play in front of the net. Um, making sure the goalie can't see. So it, uh, it, it, it credit to, to, um, uh, I, I, I want to, it's not Steve Eisman, I know, but, uh, who, who's, uh, Julian, who's, Julian Brisebois. Yeah. Breeze, Brisebois is the guy who brought in, uh, Barclay Goudreau and, uh, yeah, like a good on him for, for making that trade, even though it was a high price. Um, but yeah, like but during the off season, it, yeah, they are one of the teams that you will be questioning, what's going to happen uh and we we thought that this was going to be last year that they were going to be trying to figure out what's going to happen within that lineup because of uh they're millions of dollars over the cap but they obviously kucherov was hurt for the entire year and those of you who are uh, not watching us live i'm doing quotations within that because i i don't think that kucherov was uh was hurt for the entire year um, and I think all of us are kind of uh, conspiracy theorying within that. But uh, yeah, it, it just why why would you bring them back if uh, if they would have to make some drastic changes in that lineup so that they can go on a run like they have been? And uh, now they are contending for the cup. But it's still impressive without a guy, a top considered a top player in the NHL. They still got to where they were without him. Yep. And they were able. I mean, it's you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating. It's an easier pill to swallow when you have that blue line and the the depth. Uh, you know, like like we were talking about those, those top two lines. Anthony Sorelli, he's uh, talk about an underrated player within that lineup and within the league. Uh, he's kind of had a coming out party within the last two years, uh, and he was a big part of uh, their their win last year. Um, but he, he yeah, like they they it, within that depth of that lineup, losing a Kucherov. You know, it, it's a lot easier for them to, to move forward and have success with what they have there. Yeah. Fair. Uh, anything else on this game? I, I Not on this game, but I do want to ask you guys. Um, Philip Deneau, do you know what that trade was? Do you remember that trade at all? Philip Deneau? What, with, with Chicago? Yeah. Do you, do you remember who was in that trade? No. It was Thomas Fleischman and Dale Weiss for Philip Deneau and a second round draft pick. That second round draft pick, Romanoff. Wow. Chicago. And it, like Fleischman, uh, after that year, Fleischman and Dale Weiss did not play for the Chicago Blackhawks. And that's when they got swept in the first round. So talk about a massive trade that. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're Chicago Brass, you're you're kind of maybe kicking yourself a little bit. Yeah, and he's the dough is going to get paid in the off season. 
Yep, he definitely will. Is he an RFA or is he UFA? He's U UFA. UFA? Uh, and they, 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 I was listening to the uh, morning show here in Calgary, Fan 960, and they were debating, okay, what, which player would you rather have? Is Zach Hyman or a Philip Deneau? Deneau. And I know, I know, I know Deneau is, uh, is a center, and obviously you're, you're looking for those shutdown centers, but as far as cap hit goes and uh, where they are at and within their careers – yeah, I'd go to know over uh, Hyman. Ooh, I, I I'm going Hyman because I think he, like, as good as Dino is, I think he, it, it, I mean, it depends on the situation. Let's put it that way. I think it's close, and it depends on the situation and what you're looking for. If you're someone like Vancouver or Edmonton, where you're kind, you're looking for a. Th- uh, a third a third line center or someone who can take away take away some of the defensive responsibilities from your other your top two lines i think Deneau fits better but if you're someone if you're a team like calgary or or some team like that where you're you're you've got your you still have, you've got the, the the options down the middle zach hyman is He's a, he's a great glue. Talk talk about players like Coleman and Goodrow and Gore. That's the type of player that Zach Hyman is. And yeah, yeah, I, I think he's probably going to get overpaid in this in this this UFA uh, season. But he's going to for two two to three years. He's still going to be very very good for whoever gets him. Yeah, Damn. I. I... Yeah, I I'm not saying don't get Hyman. I'm not saying I, but I think just what what did like even if a Calgary or signs a Deneau, um, you can probably move a Monahan or a Backland uh, for that right shot that you need, right? So or you can move Lindholm over. It, it allows some versatility. Um, but I do like Zach Hyman. I I wouldn't hurt to have a Zach, Zach Hyman on your team. No, no. I, I just think the cap hit for Hyman is going to be uh, too much to bear. Uh, yeah, he'll be good for the next two, maybe three years. Uh, just the way that he he does play is very hard, and those are the people that you do win with. But I think if you if you look at the full contract, Dano is going to be not as high of a cap hit, and I think he'll be more effective um, going into his uh, later years, just because the no. way that he does play. I, I disagree. I think I think their cap hits are going to be very similar. We're talking about a, a winger who can who, as good as Hyman is, like, and he's had he's had some good seasons. We're still talking about a, a, a premium shutdown center in, in Philip Deneau, and who can still put up points. May not maybe maybe not not at the same rate as like a Hyman, but. That's. I think the shutdown center is just as valuable. I could see both of them getting a lot of money this offseason, depending on how many teams are are looking. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be very close. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Deneau gets more. I think Deneau will get more too. Wow, I'm I'm on the opposite end. I think uh, I think Hyman is going to get more. How many uh, how many how many players are in the league that can do Hyman what is what Hyman does playing on your your your, your top wing uh, being able to be a puck retriever um, and the, his work ethic is bar bar none and but, 
It's not it's not many, but not many players can do what Philip Deneau is doing either. Yeah. Well, yeah, but how many how many shutdown centers are there in comparison to how many Hyman players there are? There's I'd say there's more more Hymans than Deneaus. Oh, I don't know about that. I I like I look I, I've been thinking about this because this is what the Canucks desperately need for a uh, 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 going into next season is a center who can take away defensive responsibilities from PD and and Horvat and the PD and Horvat lines. And I look at that and I'm like, who is out there that is like a true shutdown center? And Deneau's out there and. I, I'm really struggling to find to, to figure out more like other other players who are, are available too. It's not necessarily who's out there that can do it, but who's available. It's right. that's fair, but once again, points are like it, it's the same debate that you and I had with uh, with Chernak uh, uh, in the in the off season. You know how much money he's going to get. He's a shutdown defenseman. Shutdown defenseman and shutdown forwards don't get paid as much as forwards like a Zach Hyman in my mind because Hyman he can put up points and he is able to I know what you're doing now you're, you're comparing the the uh, uh the points between the two of them I can see that but um I, I just think that he, he is more formidable for a um point getter as Zach Hyman is in comparison to Dano. yeah and, and I'm actually kind of curious now that I've said that what the the comparisons are yeah, I just I'm looking at that, and, and Zach Hyman has two 20 goal seasons under his belt. He would have had to, this year under under normal circumstances would have been a 20 goal season as well if he had 15 and, and 43. Um, while Deneau hasn't, but he's had he's a playmaker. Um, he's had a, three. 43 seasons with 40 plus 40 points or better um in 17 18 he had 25 and 52 he had 24 and 53 this year like he's no slouch offensively he's just a different offensively he's a different player but like i said i think it's gonna be very close in terms of that and then you also have both coleman and goodrow are both are both uh, UFAs this this offseason as well, and talk about players who play that same role. Yeah, the, the only difference though is Hyman. He's he's played at the top line. He's he's been a top line player, and uh, no, like uh, Dano's no slouch. No, but look who he's playing with, right? It, on on another team, if he is just a shutdown role, then he's not in your top. Uh, he's I mean, yeah, he's a middle six uh, uh, center. Uh, line one or two or sorry two or three but i, I think that uh, that that's a product of um who he who he is playing with so okay let me let me just what i'm hearing you say i i just want to ask you something Devin. who would you rather have money not being an object to know we're back i'd be to know right now just because he is younger um i believe backland's 33 32 uh, Deneau is 28, I believe, and I, I'd rather have Deneau. I really would. So, sorry, I'm, so that's why I'm confused by your argument. That's like you're you're saying that it's the player, the players he's with, the players that he's the. So my my argument is that you would you like money. Money has to be a, has to be a, a product of this conversation too. 
Fair. Okay. Um, yep. but, and and the, the amount of money that you'll be uh, <laughs> the amount of money that Hyman is going to get, I think, is going to be more than Dano. Um, if we're talking about shutdown centers, it is it is a product of who you are around. That 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 is what I'm saying is that uh, Dano is playing with high end players right now. I'm not saying Backlund isn't. I'm saying that his the 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 reason why he's getting um, the points is because of the players that are around him. He's not a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. But I think that overall you're, you want with cap hit and age and the style that you are playing. Um, I think that uh, I think Hyman is going to get more, but I think Dano is a, is the better cap hit within. And it's very similar to, okay, well, who would you rather have um, Eichel or Reinhardt? But, you know, the, the, the amount that you're going to be giving up for Eichel is going to be a shit ton. But you're going to get a really good player in Reinhardt. Well played using my own argument against me. <laughs> you're welcome. I just, I, I yeah, I, like, Dino's playing with Gallagher and Lekkinen right now. He had, he played with Anderson and other, he's, he's played all around the lineup and he can go up and down and, I said, I think it's a lot closer than I think you're – I understand your argument, Dev, with the, the points and, and everything. But I, I just look at who's available, and there's more players who are like Zach Hyman available this offseason than there are who are like to know. And sometimes I, I – I, I, okay, I, I'm not saying Zach Hyman's overrated when I say this, but sometimes I think that we – would put more stock when he's a Leaf. It's, oh, look how good Zach Hyman is, or that's former Leaf is. Uh, and then they go to a different team, and they're not as effective. So that's Did you have, other, do you have a comparison for that one? Jake Gardner. Oh, Gardner. Oh, man. I, that, that's, I, I, I agree with you on that one. That Jake Gardner, he was – he's a puck move defenseman, not good in his defensive zone. And uh, the, the, the decisions that he has made or did make as a Leaf, even then, I, I don't, I don't see him in the same ilk as uh, as a Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman are uh, is, I think, better than Goudreau. And uh, who's the other one, Sean? That's up. Oh, Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman. Yeah, I like to, to me. He's. I'd say Zach Hyman is very similar to Blake Coleman. Um, well, I'm not saying that Hyman's terrible, but I, I just think that sometimes we. Historically, I'll throw a historical comparison in this. Matt Sundin. Matt Sundin was looked on and loved upon as, as a Leaf, and he's he's a Hall of Famer. But I don't know if Matt Sundin is a Hall of Famer if he's not playing in Toronto. I, that, I think that has to do with more politics than anything else. But uh, you, you're, I, I see your point. I just don't know if I agree 100% because... Zach Hyman, when he, I don't think he's, I don't think he'll be back as a Leaf. I think that he will sign somewhere else because they will be able to give the money that he is deserved. Um, but I, I, I watch him on another team, and I, I guess, I guess for that, that's uh, uh, we we don't know what that looks like yet. But I think that uh, that whoever gets him is going to get a very, very good player for the next three years. Fair enough. Fair enough. A comment below, by the way, if you who you'd rather have, Dano or Hyman. 
Uh, let's toss in some other news. Let's get into Gary Bettman and Bill Daly's media availability yesterday. Gary Bettman, who is the master of playing the villain heel, um, one of the best at it of, of all, all of them. Um, he enjoys the booze, misses the booze. I mean, can we just, you know, I can't wait to boo him again. <laughs> anyway, um, that's kind of the sort of the things that came out were uh, the stadium series will continue. It'll be Tampa Bay and Nashville that will play in Nissan Stadium in the end of February. Um, I didn't hear anything on the Winter Classic, though. Was that announced? I think that's the Minnesota game, isn't it? That's right. You're right. Isha, it's the Meta and the Soda Pod, friends of the podcast. You're finally getting your 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 Winter Classic. Congratulations. <laughs> um, they've been longing for that for a while. Uh, the Heritage Classic is coming back. Um, I suspect, and I could be wrong, but it will. I think it's going to be Edmonton, Toronto, either in Edmonton or Toronto. That's my hunch. I. Uh... With an outside shot of it being Vancouver, but it, I, it hasn't. It's it won't be Winnipeg. I, I don't think it's Winnipeg, Calgary, Montreal, or Ottawa because they've had they've been in Heritage Classic games, and Edmonton hasn't hosted one in a while, and I don't think Toronto and Toronto hasn't hosted a Heritage. Toronto Classic. has the, the, the Centennial game. I think is considered a Heritage Classic too. It's an outdoor game. I think you're splitting hairs there if you're saying that they haven't hosted a Heritage well, Classic. Well, I mean, okay, what I'm saying is is they it's okay, so so I guess the longest term without a home game, to be fair, is Edmonton. So I would think that the high chance probability is if it's not in uh if they don't do an exotic location, it's quite likely going to be in Edmonton, and I'm suspecting Toronto would be the opponent. That's sort of my prediction, but I could be wrong. I don't think it's Toronto because what like, what are you selling there? It's just Toronto versus Edmonton? Matthews versus McDavid. Maybe, but, like, it's – it's it's the, if you want to actually sell, like, good, like, rivalries and stuff, it's not going to be Calgary, I don't think, but you can do Vancouver, you can do Montreal. Like, I think there's – with – I think it's I, Kevin could be right, but I I honestly think it's going to be at, in Edmonton at Commonwealth. Um, I think I'm I'm ninety percent sold on that, um, unless they're able to work out uh, the logistics of doing a destination one like they did in Tahoe, um, but with fans and you've got Whistler there. So I think those are the, the I think those are the to me those are the two front runners. Um, well, behind the scenes thing, we talked about maybe Montreal because they haven't hosted a outdoor game, but they've also got the draft going going there next year, and there is no slam dunk facility there in Montreal. The Big O has issues. The uh, the, the soccer stadium is small. Um, the CFL stadium is, is small. Um, so I think it's it, it, I think it comes down to Commonwealth or Whistler, and then I think it could, uh, yeah, I maybe 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 I, I am overthinking it, and it's it will be Edmonton, Toronto, but I don't I don't see Toronto being in there because they've been in the most, and I think they're going to try and get someone another team in there. To me, it doesn't. If you're going rivalry, uh, it would have to be either Calgary or Vancouver. 
uh, up in Edmonton. And anything outside of that, uh, you could do Winnipeg. Um, I don't see Montreal being in the mix. I don't see Ottawa being in the mix. But, I mean, it, like realistically, I, I think that Toronto probably has the best shot uh, within doing that outside of Calgary. Uh, to me, it's Calgary, Toronto, Vancouver, uh, the, the front runners there. I think the one thing with Toronto that it would be an advantage is is the do you do the Western tour, um, you do Vancouver, Calgary, and if you set it like in a in November, if you do it kind of when they did the Winnipeg Calgary game a couple of years ago, it's it's cold, it's cool, not cold, yeah. so it's doable there. Um, so that's that's where I could that's what I could see. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, that's sort of my my hunch as well. The the other problem with Montreal is is the soccer stadium is in it's not a it's in a ter- like it's a really nice area, but there's nothing around the area. Like if you're going to go to the pub or anything after, there's not a walking space to it. Um, Olympic Stadium, it's huge but holes. McGill is too small, but it has a it has a wonderful location to it. It's like in a great area, um, and it would be majestic to look at scene-wise too. But it's too small. That's that's the problem with Montreal. But we'll we'll see. I said I think the idea the ideal one I think would get the most viewers and be have the most hype would be Vancouver, Seattle, in Whistler. I've already called for Vancouver, Seattle at CenturyLink. That should be the opening game. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, it would be. It would. Be. I think they're going to wait a year. I think that's what's going to happen. They, there will be a Vancouver C- at Seattle game at CenturyLink within the next two, three years for sure. But uh, we saw how picturesque and awesome it was with Tahoe, other than it being too warm. But you go up to Whistler. You do it in March. You, I don't think you're going to have the the temperature issues. And if you can find a way to to to, to get a decent enough uh, enough fans up there and, and get the logistics there, I think that's uh, I think that's probably the number one um, choice. And I think that's what they're working on. Otherwise, they would have announced it being in Edmonton at Commonwealth. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see for that for sure. Um, the other part in terms of the games part, and then we'll get to the heavy part here, is there is there is an agreement that everybody wants to go that they are going to the olympics there's there's an agreement that they but the agreement is not settled that they will go to the olympics uh part of it is covid part of it is of course also they talked about the european games as well and that's based everything is right now based on what happens with tokyo and the summer olympics if that goes through and it goes smoothly then i think we see everything else fall into place but if it doesn't, I think every there's there this is all up in the air. Um, going to Europe, uh, going to the Olympics. Um, I don't for to I, I just I don't think there I don't see games in Europe this year. I think probably that's a next year thing. Um, in my personal opinion, I don't think they should go to the Olympics, but that's my own personal view. I I have a hunch they will end up going to the Olympics if everything goes well because uh, there's money to be made. Yeah, but I think it's going to be. I think it's, but we'll see. I think that they will. I, Gary Bettman, he's just uh, he's a hardball player. He'll try and get as much as they can out of 
whatever negotiation they have within the players and within um, the, the Olympic Committee. So uh, knowing him in his past, it, it, I think they will. I don't. Th I think it'd be a big miss because they do want to get um, the, uh, more viewers uh, within uh, within China, right? So it, uh, it it just makes the most amount of sense that they are going. I don't think they're going. Um, I think it's too. There's too much work to do to make it happen in in such a short time because it's supposed to be in February, correct? So we're looking at basically eight months and you've got to have it done in basically two or three. And there's, we don't know exactly, like the, there's still the uncertainty with COVID and, and everything there. We don't even know what Tokyo is going to look like, let alone all the insurance issues and everything that also has held it and shall back in the past. Um, I just don't think there's enough time to make it work. I want them to go. I think they should go, but I don't think there's enough time to make it work and make uh, teams, uh, make the players feel safe, make the teams feel like it's a good play, like, and appease the owners and the teams, and let alone trying to build a schedule around because they're also going to, they are going to go forward with the Vegas, uh, the 2022 All Star game in Vegas, no matter what. So it's just, it's, it, we're at the, I just think there's not enough time to make it work. Yeah, I, it's, yeah, I, it is a tough, it's, there's, there's a few other things that I, I don't think we have time to get into here as well that I, maybe we will in future podcasts, but um, that's, um, it is it is a tough line, and I think everything will wait on Tokyo. I suspect though that they'll have two schedules in place, um, and or they have two schedules kind of ready one one with Olympics, one without Olympics. And but they did talk about Batman and Daily did talk about yesterday uh, the need to get this straightened out as quickly as possible. So um, yeah, uh, the other thing that. Um, we've talked enough about the officiating and so I don't really want to spend a heck of a lot of, we, we've talked enough about it. I, I don't want to spend more time about it. I mean, Bettman did say they have the best officials in the world. What do you, you expect him to say? He said exactly what Gary Bettman would say or any commissioner would say. So I don't really want to spend any time on that. If, if we're okay with that. Um, yeah. uh, but he did, he did address the, uh, allegations against a Blackhawk, uh, former Blackhawk assistant coach Brad Aldrich. Uh, he said he found them concerning. Uh, there, he said that they will wait until an independent review is complete before deciding on potential discipline. Uh, he, I'm reading a quote from Emily Kaplan uh, from her writing on this. Uh, Tell me the facts. Once we know what the facts are, we're in a better position to evaluate what may or may not be done. So really at this point everybody is waiting for everything to be revealed or to have the investigation conclude before the next steps are there and i at this point i don't think there's anything much more that can be done i think it, at this this is where we're we're at at this particular point in time yeah, um, I wasn't on, again, unfortunately I wasn't on when you guys originally talked about it. Uh, it it's unfortunate it took this long for it to come out, but at this point it, you have to find, yeah, they 
uh, as a business, um, the NHL has to wait to see what what comes of this uh, uh, independent investigation that they're the the Blackhawks are have uh, are going to have have going to have have happen. Um, I know that's not good English, <laughs> but um, it's the they, there has to be some patience here in terms of waiting to see what happens. Um, but I think there, no matter what hap- what comes out of this, they need to find a way to address uh, what ha- what has come out, and there needs to be some sort of I don't know what it is, but because I don't know what what will come out of this or how much or how little, but something they need to address it at the end after the the investigation is done, and they need to find a way to. Do something that can, can that can help move this forwards and make sure that this doesn't ever happen again, or at least try their best to make sure it doesn't ever happen again. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I know, a lot of people were upset about uh, what Thirty One Thoughts did in terms of their coverage of it. Um, I think that people need to understand that Elliot Freeman is not Rick Westhead. I think that that's the first thing. Elliot Freeman's role or Elliot Freeman's job, primary job, is to find out what Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, Miro Heiskanen is going to make in the offseason. Um, he's there for, he's, his primary role is to find out what are the trades, what are the rumors, what are the coaches. And he spends a heck of a lot of time. He spends hours doing that kind of thing. Rick Westhead works for W5. He works in the news department as well as TSN. Um, he's done a lot of coverage on COVID as well. There's two different reporters doing two different roles. And I, I so I I understand why people are upset the, about the media coverage of it. I think that there's, that's a bigger conversation, but I don't know what Elliot, else Elliot Friedman really can do at this particular point, other than what we're doing. Just state the facts and at this point and we offer again. I offer the condolences to the victim for the the people in, that that have been impacted. We don't know their names. Um, I wish Gary Bettman said that yesterday. I have to be honest. I think I'm a little dis- I, that disappointed me that that didn't happen. But in terms of how Elliot Friedman and Thirty One Thoughts handled this in comparison to other media outlets, I don't know if that's a, necessarily to me a super fair comparison. Because it's two different people doing two different roles. Yeah, I mean, they, they can only do so much. Like, other than uh, following the legal process, what more can they say, right? And it's it's uh, it, there's nothing you can do about it. I think that uh, they they're redirecting their anger towards um, the uh, yeah towards Friedman, um, and that, that that's that's 100 not fair for Friedman. He can only do so much. And. It- my, my issue with when a lot of this comes up has always been how people feel like they need to yell and almost vilify people who don't do, don't do it, do it, don't talk about things the, the way they want it to be done. And it's, these are such tough topics to, to talk about and we can only do our best. And, and sometimes our, our best isn't, the, isn't good enough, but to be, to, to basically be yelled at and, and told and, and, and screamed at and, and, and insulted and, and to, to say, and all that, I just don't think that that, that does anything to help. 
let's let's all try and work together to try and get to help help make uh, these these discussions more people more more willing to, to to talk about them going forward. Because the more will more willing people are to talk about this, the better. Because that means more people are talking about it. It's getting more airtime. It's it may not be the the. This is, so a lot of the time we don't know how to talk about it. So when we don't know how to talk about it, we don't want to talk about it. And especially when you get yelled at or screwed or and basically be told that you're part of the problem because you didn't talk about it, quote unquote, properly or give it enough airtime when you don't really know how to you don't really want to talk about it going the next time. So. Be open-minded, try and try and let people process this and talk through it. And more the more comfortable people will be about talking about these tough issues going forwards. Yeah. That's all we'll we'll leave that topic there at this particular point, because I don't know if we need to go any further. I, I'm just I, I state the facts. This is what's been happening, and I that that's all I think. That's and you're, you're right, Kev, in terms of our thoughts uh, go out to those affected in, in negative ways from, from this. And I, I really hope that something productive and constructive comes out of this going forwards. Yeah. Uh, there is some news today. We'll get to the, we'll, we'll start with the signings. Uh, and we'll start with our friend Graham Moseman, who on a Oilers YYC podcast says he didn't think that they should bring him back. But the Oilers appear to be signing Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who uh, and the, clearly Ken Holland does not live at, listen to our podcast and what Devin said. Or Ryan Nugent Hopkins, at least, doesn't listen to our podcast. And when he suggested he needs to leave Edmonton because he is about to sign an eight-year, $41.5 million contract with a no-movement contract. Um, and at 28 years old, the eight years will get him to third. What's it? 20? He's 28, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. sign through through 30. Is it uh, age of 36 yeah. with this deal? Yeah. So the term, the length of this, I'm not a big fan of. The amount, I'm, I understand. I think that that's a fair amount. Um, I'm 50-50 on this. I totally understand why the Oilers needed to do it. Um, I do think that if he, if Nugent Hopkins went to free agency, I think Vegas would have been there. Boston would have been in there. Maybe a couple of other teams. Um, he, But he decided Edmonton. So He probably would have had more success. That's the reason why I said that if he wanted to go and try uh, his market and see what he could get uh, – Elsewhere, I think that that would have been good for him. But I, you are right, Kev. Edmonton needed to do this. If they didn't get it done, uh, then there'd be more question marks on. Okay, well, who are you bringing in, right? And that that is a good cap hit to have him at. Uh, he's he's a formidable player that can play uh, like in your, in your top two lines, and he he can play with those top players. It's just I I think that overall. For him, he probably could have gone somewhere else, made a bit more money, probably had, would have had more of a chance to, uh, to to thrive more than he is right now, and maybe have more fun. I don't know. He, he's he, but it does make sense that he is staying in Alberta. Um, he's a Vancouver kid. He's um, he's played uh, his junior in 
red deer. So he's been within Western Canada his entire life. So it, it, it does make sense. And it is now official. It is eight years at 41 million. So the cap it is 5.125. There we go. So, and I believe that there was talk that it was going to, they were going to have a, uh, there, there's going to be a no movement clause in, included in that. I'm, we don't know how, how many years that no movement clause will be part of, but I think it's likely going to be four to five, at least four years of that, if not five, five plus of it. Uh, but the last few years, I, I would be surprised if there's a full mo no movement clause in the last two to three years of that deal. Plus, I am expecting it to be fair, uh, as front loaded as possible. Yeah. So the buyout option is definitely there. And uh, I, as far as Holland goes, he probably won't be a part of that team when they have to go through those hard conversations with Eugene Hopkins. So it just it makes makes a lot of sense. Or at least, it, I don't, actually, now that I think about it, I think it, it, you'll, it, the, the, the bulk of that money will be in years three, four, five, and then six, seven, eight will be lower and buyoutable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have signed Wayne. Is there anything else on RNH we need to discuss? I just, it, it, I think it's a good signing. I think it, um, I, again, I think it's, I think it's too long, but I think Nugent Hopkins wanted the term apparently. And we have, um, and then the, the uh, and then the Oilers wanted to have a lower cap hit because they want to be, they've got a lot of, holes to fill they've got nurse to sign next season um so i think it, it makes a lot of sense especially if they can get the structure right yep yep uh the toronto maple leafs have signed wayne simmons two years 1.8 million dollars extension um i don't think that that's much of a surprise i think wayne simmons wanted to stay in toronto toronto was happy with him um not a big surprise in my mind no, a good cap hit. Uh, maybe one of, I, ideally you'd probably want to go one year with him, uh, but two years, I, I'm okay with it. 900,000. Sure. You know, he's, uh, I, he has a lot of miles on him, but I think he brings a, a, a good veteran presence to that lineup. And if he could be, uh, my criticism was that I don't think he was noticed that much in the playoffs. And that was uh, an issue within, Toronto not getting, um, not making, not not being able to push past uh, Montreal. Obviously, you know, you, those top end players are part of that too. But overall, I think it's a good sign. Yep. Sean. Yep. Uh, and then uh, also, Don Granado has officially been named the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. Um, not probably not too surprising, although the name the name Rick Tockett was out there. I think they just um, decided to go with Granado, and I I don't have a lot to say on that, other than that's news. Yep, I'm with it, you. It's I think he was the uh, interim coach at the end of the at the end of this past season, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's just they're they're continuing on with with, with what it is and. I think it's just, yeah, it, it's one of those, it's one of those ones. I think talk it was supposed to be in in on that, but I bet I bet you his uh, his uh, his asking price was a little bit uh, high for the Gulas who aren't willing to spend too much money on the Sabers right now. 
Yeah. And that's a person to bring into an organization and they seem opposed to that kind of thing. So, mm. yeah. uh, will the, that was a joke. Uh, Montreal is in terms of just go back to Montreal is a requesting 50%, uh, capacity for bell, uh, for the bell center. I think Devin predicted that they would try for 50%. I don't think they're going to get it. I think they'll get to five, but I, I'm not seeing, I don't see that they're going to get to 10 five. I'd love to see it. I mean, and I think they're, you know, from the Canadians perspective, they have a legitimate argument. I will say that if you're packing 20,000 people outside, yeah. what is the difference of bringing a few of those people inside? And if you're letting them wander around the streets anyway. Um, but I, I mean, there's, you know, the, the indoor outdoor argument with COVID. I think that I, I don't foresee that they're going to get to 10, five. I hope they do. <laughs> I think that they, they, they deserve that. I, I think they do. And let alone trying to get things back to normal. Like it just, it makes zero sense whether you're inside or outside, like you're, you're, you're shoulder to shoulder, you're yelling, you're, you're drinking like there's, <laughs> it, it would make zero sense for uh, the government not to do that. More control too. You've got control of where people sit and everything. I think it's. Yep. I think the only argument against it was that just I think it's going to be twenty thousand outside no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, but you what Devin you said is correct. Like, yeah, it's outside. But when you're that packed in, is it is being outside really that much better? So I I. I I don't. I don't know if they'll get to they get to fifty percent, but I think they're going to get close. Yeah, the seventy current seven day average in Quebec, by the way, is one hundred and seven cases uh, a day. So, let alone there's probably less testing too, right? People are getting vaccinated, and uh, even if they have those, you know, uh, symptoms, they probably aren't going to get tested. So, that 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 being a part of it, nothing neither here or there, though. Really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, just in terms of the bigger picture there. Uh, and then finally, um, ESPN has announced their family of announced, uh, analysis. It includes, um, and I'm just pulling this from my phone. I think it will be easier. Um, some interesting names, Rick DiPietro, who was recently getting paid to not play goaltender with the New York Islanders will be joining as an analyst. Barry Melrose will be there. Mark Messier. Um, Ray Ferraro, um, Leah Hextall, Cassie yep. Campbell Pascal, Hillary Knight, Kevin Weeks, um, some of the play by play, Chris Chelios, Steve Levy, who called Monday Night Football, Sean McDonough, who used to call Monday Night Football, as well, just to name a few, and Greg Wyshynski. So, um, Ryan Callahan as well. Ryan, former uh, Ryan Callahan, AJ Malesko, um, Chris yeah, Chelios, Emily Kaplan. I, I think it's a good it's a good uh, good group. I think I like seeing the amount of play by play um, people they they've got they've brought in uh, with Butchergrass, Leah Hextall, Kenneth Kenneth Garay, Steve Levy. And then the other two that you mentioned there, there, Kev. I think it's it's going to be a good mix, and um, and then the the, the ex, they've got a good 
group of uh, analysts with Brian Boucher being brought over from NBC. We all know he's really good at, at the at the co- at the color commentary uh, in between the benches. I wonder if they'll 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 continue on with that. Um, Ferraro's fantastic at that. DiPietro's been doing a little bit of that with the Islanders on their broadcast. So it's not like, so he knows what he's doing there. I, I think it's a great, great mix of a little bit of every, a, a little bit of uh, everyone. Like you've got some, some ex female uh, or current female players and ex female players, as well as some good, some good reporters. I, yeah, I, I, I like the, I like the combination other than Messier. Yeah. Well, great, great Wyszynski as well. Uh, I, I think he, uh, he's, a good uh, reporter, um, and yeah, I like it. I, I'm curious why Cassie Campbell uh, left uh, CBC, or is going to leave CBC. Uh, I think it, that she probably got too much um, flack from um, you know, from us. He said, not us, but um, from the listeners, and that uh, that that she needed to find a, a new a new job for. And find a new avenue, I guess, to uh, to still do what she wants to do, and I hope uh, I hope the best for her. My suspicion, um, couple my couple, I'm, I, I mean, I don't know. We don't know fully what Cassie Cassie's role is, so she could still be working with with the Flames and still doing some hockey night in Canada stuff. Um, but it's looking to me that from what I'm seeing and, and if you see something differently, feel free to correct me, but I think that they're seeing more, uh, they want to see, get more Jen Botterill on, uh, in terms of the studio part. And I suspect that, uh, this year I would not be surprised this season. If we see me more Corey Sarich and Christopher Stieg more consistently on the broadcast. Um, I, th- I think that, the I, I think that that's sort of the the lenience that they probably will go there in terms of, and maybe Kelly Rudy, uh, yeah, they may be splitting between the three. I don't, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like right now there's a lot of room for Cassie to in her role in in hockey night from where I'm sitting, but I could be wrong. I don't see her leaving. I think this is a split. I think we we've seen this in the past with the way Ferraro and, and Gordon Miller have done it, where they still were on, T, on TSN working for TSN and we're working for NBC. And I think Ferraro is going to continue to do the same thing with TSN now ESPN. And I think we're going to see the same thing with Cassie, um, split, just splitting her time. I think it, they, they've got enough people there that she's not going to be there all the time. So I think it's going to be a. Uh, I I think she's still going to be on on hockey night. I think she's still going to be on the Flames broadcasts, just not as often. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll see. Yeah, I I'm not saying it's going to be forever, but I do, um, I, I do wonder if they're going to be using some different al- analysts on nine sixty. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if I see that either. So, yeah. Yeah, I can, to, to your point, Kev, um, for Stieg, I think he, he's a good hockey mind. Uh, he's well-spoken and well-liked. Uh, he, he comes on hits on 960 all the time. I think you definitely will see more of him um, on the broadcast uh, more so, or like on TV more so than uh, you will potentially um, uh, Cassie Campbell-Pascal. 
Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted out that ESPN's play-by-play NHL commentary team now will be led by Sean McDonough, and Steve Levy will lead the studio team while also calling several games throughout the year. And Bucci Gross, Bob Wushushin, and Leah Hexton will also have their voices to play-by-play. So, I mean, hey, Leah Hextall, Cassie Campbell-Pascal called a game a couple seasons ago. That was the last game before the last or second last game before the pandemic. Well, that was that was the full uh, female uh, yeah. broadcast, which was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Anything else we need to talk about today? I don't think so. All no. right. Uh, we should be back Thursday. Yep. Okay, Thursday. I'm. We're planning on the fly. Um, recapping game two, Tampa, Montreal. Is it a split or is Tampa heading to Montreal up to nothing? We will find out. I uh, should mention again, for those who don't know, these fancy shirts from Van City Sports. Um, <laughs> so go check them out, vancitysports.com. If you don't live in Vancouver, if you are living in Vancouver and you want some Canadians gear, they're the place to go. They have everything. Um, so check them out. They're on a Seymour. Uh, Dunsmore Seymour there downtown by the Pacific Center. Anyway, that's the best commercial I have ever done on this podcast. <laughs> How do we follow everyone? I am Beardy Connect 3 on Twitter. I'm Gord Howe09 on Twitter. Tyler T-N-O-B-L-E, Chris Schneids, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-Z. Podcast underscore hockey is our Twitter, Facebook.com, the hockey podcast, YouTube.com, the hockey podcast. Follow me, K E V O L E. And that's where we're at now. Check out our hockey pod clips that we will have out. And we will talk to you all very soon. Bye for now. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.